You can say goodbye to anxiety. You can bid farewell to the frets. God wants to write a new chapter in your life that is marked by increasing peace and diminishing panic. Anxiety comes with life, but it doesn't have to run your life. The Bible has a prescription for inner peace, and this is it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, just let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Lord, we open our hearts now to a new chapter in our lives in which we discover this peace as described by your servant Paul that passes understanding. Forgive the sins of the one who speaks. They are many. And help us to see Jesus, just Jesus. Through Christ we pray. And all the church said, it's a low-grade fear. It, it's an edginess. It's a cold wind that just won't stop howling. It, it's not so much a storm as it is just the hunch, maybe even the certainty that one is coming, always coming, always another storm. Sunny days are, are just an interlude. A person can't relax in life, can't enjoy the sun too much. You can't really let your guard down. Peace is temporary. It's just short-term. It's not so much the sight of a grizzly bear, but the suspicion of one. At every turn, or two, or ten, behind every tree, beyond every bend, there's trouble out there. Inevitable. Just a matter of time until the grizzly leaps out of the trees and bears its fangs and gobbles up you, your kids, your friends, your country, your descendants, your church, your society. So you don't sleep well. You don't laugh much. You don't enjoy the sun. You don't whistle when you walk. In fact, when someone does, you give them a look. That look. That are you naive look. You may even give them a word. D don't you know? There's trouble to be had out there. Airplanes fall out of the sky. Bull markets go bare. Good people turn bad. Haven't you read the news and heard the reports and seen the studies? The other shoe always falls. There's always fine print. There is no free lunch. It's just a matter of time. It's a meteor shower of what ifs. 
Well, what if we don't get the job? What if I don't get the bonus? What if we don't get the sale? What if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if our kids grow up with crooked teeth? What if because of crooked teeth, they don't have girlfriends or boyfriends or friends? What if someday they're standing on the street corner holding up a cardboard sign that said, my parents never bought me braces? <laughs> what if? It's... It's a trepidation, it's a suspicion. It's part chicken little and part Eeyore. <laughs> the sky is falling and it's falling disproportionately on top of me. It's, it's anxiety. What is anxiety? Anxiety is a free-floating sense of dread. Anxiety is a free-floating, ill-defined sense of dread of things that might happen sometime in the future. Fear, by contrast, is an awareness of a concrete threat, a specific object, an event, something that could threaten and does threaten to attack you or hurt you. You fear failing the board exams or, or not making the job deadline. You fear the income tax payment or the possibility of no date for the prom. That's fear. Anxiety is, is, is vague. It's distant. It, it's not really logical. It's just that sense that something bad always happens and it's about my turn. <laughs> fear results in fight or flight. Anxiety results in gloom and doom. Fear is the pulse rate that races when you see a coiled rattlesnake next to the path. Anxiety is the decision to never walk barefooted anywhere in any yard in any part of the world because somewhere in the world there's a rattlesnake you know. Fear and anxiety. Both are a part of life. Both serve a function in life, but fear and anxiety are different. Anxiety is a general angst about life. It's just a general angst about life. In fact, the word anxious has in its first syllable what? Angst come from the same source. So if you are anxious, then you are full of angst, full of dread, full of trepidation, full of fear. If you're anxious, then you're going through life going, shush, shush, shush. That's the sound I make when I'm walking up the stairs. About the 10th step, I find myself running low on oxygen. So I start going, shush, shush. Shush. Anxiety will steal your breath. I remember talking to a minister from the big island of Hawaii, a native Polynesian fellow, and I asked him, why is it that Hawaiians refer to we Westerners as howlies? You ever heard that phrase? Howlies. He said, well, howly means out of breath. He said, in the 1820s, when people immigrated to Hawaii, they came with such a rapid pace and work ethic of establishing plantations and building seaports that the Hawaiians gave them a nickname. They're always short on 
breath. Anxiety will steal your breath. It'll steal your sleep. It'll take your well-being. Anxiety leads to stiff necks, clenched jaws, overactive and or inactive bowels. Anxiety can twist us into emotional pretzels. It can make our eyes twitch, our blood pressure rise, our armpits sweat. One doctor said, if you want to really see the consequences of worry, just read about half the ailments in a medical textbook. Anxiety ain't fun. No wonder the wise man said, worry weighs a person down. Chances are that you or someone you know has a serious struggle with anxiety. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching an epidemic proportion. In a given year, 17% of Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack. That is to say, our chests will tighten, we'll feel dizzy and lightheaded, we'll fear crowds and avoid people. According to one research program, anxiety-related issues are now the number one mental health problem among women, are the second problem among men, second only to drug and alcohol abuse. The United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Reading from one researcher, stress-related ailments cost our nation $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity, while the use of sedative drugs keeps skyrocketing. Just between 1997 and 2004, Americans more than doubled their spending on anti-anxiety medications like Xanax and Valium from $900 million to $2.1 billion. The American Medical Association cited a study that expresses the exponential increase of depression. Our generation is three times more likely to suffer from depression as the generation prior. The generation prior, three times more likely than the one prior to that one. Why is this? Our cars are safer than ever. Our water has never been more regulated. Even the air we breathe is monitored. Gangs prowl our streets, but most of us go to sleep every night without the thought of being attacked. Yet to look at our emotional state, you'd think we were living in a battle zone. Curiously, citizens of less developed nations have far less levels of stress. Citizens in developing countries experience anxiety to the level of one-fifth that Americans do. And as one researcher said, when these less anxious developing world citizens immigrate to the United States, they tend to get just as anxious as Americans. Something about our particular way of life is making us less calm and composed. I mentioned that in the United States, 17% of Americans can expect to experience a panic attack during a given year. Guess what that number is south of the border? In Mexico, a country that right now has a reputation for violence. Anybody want to guess? 6.6%. People in Mexico are a third less anxious 
than people north of the border. I want to go to Mexico. And the news gets worse. I don't want to worry you. But according to one UCLA research team, our college kids are more stressed out and anxious than ever before. In a study that involved more than 200,000 incoming freshmen, students reported all-time lows in overall mental health and stability. As Robert Leahy pointed out, the average high school kid today has the same anxiety level as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Kids have more toys, they have more tools, have more opportunities than ever, but they're leaving high school wrapped tighter than Egyptian mummies. Why? What's the cause of this anxiety? Well, that's one of our questions over the next 10 weeks. In finding a cause, maybe we can find a cure, but we all know some of the causes. Never has society changed so much. Sociologists are telling us that in the last 30 years, our world has seen more change than in the prior 300 years. Can you relate to that? I was walking through a hospital a couple of weeks ago, led by a volunteer lady who knew I was lost, which I usually am. Candy striper type. But she was 85 years old. As we were walking, she was checking apps on her iPhone. I said, how do you keep up with all this change? She said, you got to. It's a changing world. Think what has changed since you were born. Most of us were around prior to email. Some kids say, was that before fire or after fire? <laughs> We've seen astounding changes in the technological world. We've also seen remarkable eruption and disruption in moral values. We've seen world climate change. We've seen the arrival of terrorism. ISIS has come to be a part of our vocabulary, and we're hearing things more quickly than our genera generations prior ever did. If there's an earthquake in Australia or Nepal, 50 years ago, we wouldn't have known about it, perhaps ever, if we did, not for another week or two. Now we'll care about it, we'll, we'll get alerts on our phone. We don't have time to process. We're just inundated with world change, societal change, with news, 24-hour news cycles, most of which are not positive. It's hard. In addition to that, we have just all the regular stuff that comes with being a human being. We get sick. We get cranky. We struggle in jobs. We have health issues. We're reminded daily that these bodies are getting weaker and older. Deanland, my wife, came home the other day with an app, an app, saying if you take a selfie and send it in, it will guess your age. <laughs> she was proud because it guessed her 15 years younger than she is. So I thought, well, I'll do it. <laughs> Duh. I'm 60. It guessed that I was 68. I thought there must be a mistake. I did it again. It guessed I was 73. I did it one more time. I was 78. 
I said, I'm not going to do it again. It'll think I'm dead. <laughs> Change coming from all angles. It's enough to make a person anxious. And it's enough to make us wonder, was the Apostle Paul kidding when he gave this anxiety challenge? He said, be anxious for nothing. I would have been happy with worry less or be anxious only on Thursdays. But this is a sweeping statement. He says, be anxious for nothing. And he uses that word anxious or worry. We've studied it before. It's a Greek word which means to divide the mind. Don't let your mind be all chopped up into pieces. Uh, don't be so caught up in yesterday and tomorrow that you can't live in the present, which always sounds great on a bumper sticker, but it's hard to apply in life. Right? I mean, you've got to be connected to the past because you're coming out of the past and the past affects the present. And you've got to be prepared for the future, don't you? So exactly what are you trying to say, Paul? Well, it helps us to know that the Greek tense here means perpetually anxious, in a state of perpetual anxiety. Anxiety does come with life. But what Paul is advocating here is a life that is not dominated or driven or consumed by anxiety. There is another translation that helps us. One translation says, don't be over-anxious about anything. It's this life of perpetual anxiety, this habit, this thought pattern of negative thoughts and anxious thoughts that the Apostle Paul would like to address. Uh, another translation says, don't let anything in life leave you perpetually in angst and breathless. I made that one up. I'm not a Bible translator, but I think that's what the Scripture is trying to say. Don't let anything in life leave you perpetually howly or out of breath, exhausted, or in angst, in a sense of dread. I think worry is a bit like nitroglycerin. In small doses, it's actually good for your heart, but in large doses, it can cause an explosion. Worry in and of itself is not a sin, but it can lead to sin. Mistreatments thereof can cause us to engage in behavior that doesn't honor God and doesn't solve the problem. That's why Scripture, I think, has so much to say about anxiety. You have any anxiety in your life? Here's what Jesus says. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Are you laughing less than you once did? You find your thoughts increasingly negative and critical. Would those who know you best describe you as overly cautious? Do you always assume something bad is going to happen? Do you never enjoy good news because you know all good news becomes bad news for fear of running out of money or you're less generous do you resent the success of others would you on many days rather stay in bed than get up do you magnify the negative do you diminish the positive 
If given the chance, would you avoid any interaction with human beings for the rest of your life? <laughs> if you answer yes to most of those questions, then I've got a friend I want you to meet. Actually, I've got some words that a friend wrote. They feel like words of a friend because I've turned to these words myself so many times over the years. I would like to nominate this passage for the Scripture Hall of Fame. I don't know where that place is, but on the wall upon which they have hung John 3.16, the Lord's Prayer, and the 23rd Psalm, someone needs to hang Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. I call it the anxiety cure. Can you read it out loud with me as the words appear on the screen? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And the surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, Our plan is to unpack this passage phrase by phrase over the next 10 weeks. Could I encourage you to read this passage every day for the next 10 weeks? We've equipped you with a little card. We've made it small so it can go anywhere. I know you may need to put on glasses to read the, the words. But you can put it on a keychain. You can stick it in a wallet. You can tie it on your shoes, uh, stick it, run your shoestring through it. You can tie it around your neck. You can put it on a bracelet. I don't care if you make an earring out of it or a nose ring out of it, but just, just put it where you can see it. And whenever you sense that anxiety surfacing, pick up this passage. Let the word of Scripture be the tool with which you deal with anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, I'd like to ask you to commit to read this passage every day for the next 10 weeks. If you commit, would you nod? Do this. We've got a nodding monitor going on just to see. Oh, that person's asleep. Don't count him. Would you even be willing to memorize this passage? Would you please consider placing this passage in a permanent place in your heart by committing it to memory. These words contain nothing less than God's remedy to anxiety. It's as if he wrote a prescription that included the words, here's what you need to rejoice, you need gentleness, you need to remember the Lord is at hand, you need to remember to pray about everything. The peace of God will come your way. It will guard your hearts and minds. God will help you win the war on worry. Some of you have worried so long in your life that you can't imagine life without worry. There is a new day that awaits you, my friend. A new day, a new chapter. It is not God's will that you lead a life of perpetual anxiety. 
It is not. It is not his will that you face every day with dread and trepidation. It's not his will that you go through life always running out of breath with your mind split between yesterday and tomorrow, not leaving you any energy for today. Here is the word of God to you. Jesus said, I have told you this so that you will have peace of mind and heart. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but what? Cheer up, for I have overcome the world. No, God never promises a problem-free life, but he does promise to help us face our problems. This is the message of the book of Philippians. Specifically, it's the message of this cure for anxiety in Philippians chapter 4. Paul uses four verses to give seven admonitions that lead to one promise, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. God is going to help you learn to face not escape, but efface the calamities of life. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're going to learn to view bad news through the protection and filter of God's sovereignty. With Jesus as your tutor, you're going to learn to discern between the lies of the devil and the truth of Christ. And you're going to learn to tell yourself the truth. You're going to learn, with God's help, to talk yourself off the ledge, to calm down, to receive his word. Anxiety comes with life, but it doesn't have to master your life. And a new day awaits you because God is with you. Dallas Willard once told the story of a little boy who couldn't sleep, and so he climbed into his dad's bed. Storm was raging outside, and the boy was afraid. Still, the boy had trouble falling asleep, and in the darkness, he asked his dad, Daddy, is your face looking at me? And the father said, yes. Knowing that his father was looking at him, the little boy could finally fall asleep. Dear friend, God is looking at you, not with furrowed brow, not with an angry scowl, but he is looking upon you with love. And he is welcoming you into his presence. And because he is looking upon you, you will, in his arms, find rest. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, this is your invitation to us to receive the rest that comes from a careful, loving, kind Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're very excited about this path of peace. We're ready to give up our anxieties, to cast all of our cares upon you because we believe that you do care about us. Lord, open our minds now over the next few weeks to receive new words of wisdom, to make discoveries that somehow we've never discovered before. Let us live in such a way that our gentleness is evident to all, that people note you're a calmer person. And may we discover a peace that passes understanding that is so pervasive that even we say, I don't know why, but I'm peaceful. Thank you, Lord, for this promise. We hang on to it as we look to you. Through Jesus we pray. And all the church said,